This is another episode of On the Grid by Z Prime. Love your energy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Z Prime On the Grid. I'm your host, Dylan Lockwood. Joining me this time is Z Prime's new senior research and content analyst, Joyce Dooley. Joyce, uh, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing incredibly well. Thank you, Dylan. It's so good to be back and to be on the team officially. And what an exciting podcast to do today. So thank you. Well, we loved what you did uh, with Jenny on the last episode. So we're we're, br- we're bringing you back uh, to interview uh, even more innovators in the space. So we've got two great people from CPS Energy here to talk with us today. Back on the show, uh, we have CPS Energy's president and CEO, Paula Gold-Williams. Paula, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I, I thank you for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure to work with Z Prime, and now I feel like we have the uh, dynamic duo here. I guess so. We're, we're we're glad to be here. Oh my gosh, Paula! Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, like all like all great basketball teams, we're going to be two on two. I don't that's I don't right. play basketball, so I don't know. So I don't know if that's true, but because uh, also from the CPS team, we have the chief operating officer, Chris Eukster. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, and thank you uh, for having us on here as well. Thank you. Uh, so we're here because of the uh, we're here because of your Flex Power Bundle project, the RFI, and the upcoming RFP. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell us about that? Why why did you feel it was necessary, and, and what is the scale of the project? So, so this is a big project for us. Um, we are transitioning uh, into a cleaner, more renewable uh, generation mix. CPS Energy is a big power player. We're, we're a vertically integrated utility, so uh, we own generation assets. We have wires, uh, and we serve the retail customer, roughly about 2 million cu- customers in our service territory. So, um, And I think we're about the fourth largest power producer in the state of Texas. So uh, we have a lot of physical assets. Uh, generating physical electrons that get delivered to our customers every day, every moment uh, to power their homes and businesses. And uh, some of some of our assets are, are aging. So we have some gas steam units um, that are were built in the 60s and uh, 70s, and they need to, be, need to be replaced. And instead of building another traditional power plant, we took an, a different approach uh, as part of our flex path strategy and, and under Paula Gold Williams leadership, and I'm sure she'll, she'll talk about it here today as well, um, has, has, has given us a different approach for thinking about how to generate and deliver power to our customers. So the flex power bundle is really the way that we have approached replacing three physical plants, uh, three gas steam units, the Bronic 1, 2, and 3 units, they were built in the 60, in 66, 1966, 1968, 1970, and um, and they are approaching their end of life, and they need to be replaced. And one of the and so they they have a scale of 859 megawatts. So we need a we need a lot of power to replace them, and that is the flex power bundle. It is 900 megawatts of solar. It's up to 50 megawatts of battery storage. And there's a firming capacity component, which we're going to look at all sorts of different technologies to firm up that solar. But that package is ultimately going to replace 
those three plants. Amazing, Chris. Thank you so much. Um, and I greatly enjoyed the interview that you did at the TPR uh, yesterday, I believe. It was pretty fantastic stuff, um, which kind of builds on top of the conversation today. Paula, can you kind of explain a little bit on how the process is maybe shifted from the traditional RFIs that CPS Energy would put out um, or from traditional utility RFIs? Um, how did people respond to it and what was the engagement like in comparison? Absolutely. Um, so I, I would say for us, typically we don't do RFIs. I mean, we do them sometimes, but we we typically find ourselves really ready to run and do an, an RFP. And um, and oftentimes when we're particularly thinking about new sources of uh, power generation, we're focused on one. Uh, type of technology. I mean, we know that we're going after some firming capacity or we want solar. And, and I'd like to highlight, um, this is not our new effort. I mean, we have, of our 7,000 megawatts, we already have about 1,000 megawatts of wind. We've been in the wind business for um, 20 years. We're number two in wind in Texas. And then in the, on the solar side, we did a big RFP, and that, that was it. We went straight to an RFP back in the 2011 timeframe. It was global. Um, we put it out there. We we had a great response. We had co uh, companies in the United States, and, and then we the successful bidder was from South Korea. So that process taught us a lot, and we felt pretty comfortable with that. Now we have about 600 megawatts of uh, solar in Texas. We're number one. We're the number one city in solar in Texas. We're number five in the nation. Um, but as we thought about this one, um, we, we've had a lot of revelations. And, and Chris uh, touched on them, uh, and every once in a while I call him Dr. Eukster because he's our Dr. Eukster, and he leads us in these strategic discussions about the the fact of what we currently have and, and really trying to explore and keep our minds open. If, if we're really thinking about the flexible path strategy, it is all about thinking new and being open. So we were excited. We, we had been talking about it a lot in 2019. We were getting ready to launch the RFP when COVID hit. And um, of course, it was devastating. I mean, so much so, um, we we think global and act local. And uh, Chris has been uh, many places uh, across the nation and the globe. I've been in many places across the globe. We, we, are, we are very comfortable with taking uh, small groups of people to different places across the world to see, across the nation, to see what technology looks like. So now we're here in COVID and you can't do that anymore. I mean, uh, you have to think about, you know, leaving the United States and people coming to the United States. And so we were concerned that, that the COVID-19 pandemic itself was going to put a dampening effect on our efforts. And so what we decided to do was do this RFI. And the, the big, you know, the big point was in, uh, at the very beginning of, of August, Chris's team launched this RFI, and we were just we were curious of whether people could could focus, could put their hand, heads up, and say, you know what, I know this is a difficult time, but I'm also really excited about the potential of doing something in Texas, um, and and you know we want to offer, we want to get in it. When we did it, it was different than than the big um, RFP process we did in 2011. We put it out in in 10 different languages. And um, we end up, we only had the RFP out for about uh, a month, and we end up getting about 200 responses. And about 10% of those responses came back 
in in the languages and uh, other than English that that we had solicited for. So we were extremely excited to to get the the initial global response. We were excited to see. Uh, a lot of response from companies across the nation. We were excited to see people really thinking about potentially how can they put their projects in Texas and quite a bit within our own footprint, which is large. Um, so, so that was great. And uh, Cricket's team now is looking at the proposals and what we're really doing is taking the information that we initially got and we're going to reshape the proposal because now this is where it really matters. Now we want we want a broader audience, but we want to be sure that, to Chris's point, that that it's not just a single technology, but it's a bundled technology. And the last thing I'll say about that is, every single type of generation, even even solar, has huge benefits, but it also has certain gaps that you have to m mitigate. And so, of course, we all know this: solar is wonderful. It, it's not emitting. It's it's uh, it comes from a renewable natural source. Um, it really it gets close to being able to generate power close closer to the peak and from a renewable standpoint than maybe you might have in um, uh, inland wind, right? And so there, there's ways for us to leverage our inland wind and our coastal wind with solar in such a way that it, it's optimal. The challenge, of course, is the intermittency that, you know, if it's, a, it's time of day dependent and it's weather dependent. And so the Chris's team is putting together this effort. We want some resiliency, enough to be able to offset uh, solar. And then we want enough um, reliability and the firming capacity so that it can help fill in the gap. And we can think a whole lot more comprehensively about it. So it's, it's different um, in every way because of the way that we we announced it to the market because of the way that we're open to a lot of new ideas and the way that it's bundled so that we can really deliver back to the community something that's already in balance for what we're trying to achieve. Amazing. Thank you. There's so much to unpack with that. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah, yeah. expanding on that, because um, th th this ties in a lot with what uh, we talked about the last time you were on the podcast, Paul, in regards to how CPS Energy uh, approaches their planning goals from a community perspective. Uh, uh, Chris, how is the flexible path intended to address community concerns in San Antonio specifically? Well, a couple things. I, I think it, it definitely pushes us into this future of energy with uh, cleaner, more renewable uh, generation mix. And I think our community wants that. Uh, so I think that's, that's a big, I, I think a big push into this direction I think it's also, you know, we still have top of mind uh, affordability and reliability. So uh, we want this power bundle to be affordable to our customers. So that's going to be a big, a big piece of this. We want to keep uh, bills, rates affordable to our customers. And so uh, that's also going to be helpful to our, to our customers and our community. And then ultimately, you know, we, we are responsible for providing reliable power when, you know, folks uh, flip this uh, light switch on, the power has got to be there. Um, and so that's going to be a big part of this as well. So, I think this is probably the, the first uh, project of this size across the industry that really brings all those components together in replacing, you know, actual physical plants. A lot of utilities, us included, have, have you know, we've done PPAs for big solar projects, uh, you know, to Paula's Point wind projects, our STEP energy efficiency program. So we have a lot of pieces in our, in our generation portfolio that come together 
to provide that reliable, affordable, uh, 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 clean power to our customers, um, again, backed up by you know, some of our traditional plants. But this is really the first time that we are taking this bundle approach to actually replace a physical uh, 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 power plant, uh, you know, one for one, so to speak. When we retired the Dealey coal units in 2018, and that was a big step forward, again, to your, to your question, Dylan, on, on the community, uh, to retire two coal plants uh, 15 years ahead of schedule. Uh, we had to buy, um, we purchased the, the 800 megawatt three-on-one uh, combined cycle plant, the Rio Nogales combined cycle plant, to, to back that, that plant up. So that, that, that was probably a more traditional approach, replacing coal with gas. Um, and, and again, that coal plant was running more base load. This is more of a peaking asset, so it's more amenable to a solar profile. Um, but I think it really is the, the first time we are really moving uh, in a major, major way uh, along the flexible path to operationalize that strategy and bring all that goodness to our community. Paula, last year we did an interview with you um, and you spoke about how you are constantly looking for connections of value and you weren't necessarily talking about between people, but really identifying where true value lies in pursuing innovation. So with this Flex Power Bundle RFI and the results, you know, where did you find the most value? Where did your team find the most value throughout the process? I would tell you that you know, I just got finished talking to um, an internal team we uh, had that we stood up um, in the last year, but we've actually even been on a journey around innovation. Um, several years ago, you know, we started thinking about innovation in terms of, you know, not marrying it and feeding it within our community here in San Antonio, as well inside our organization. So we started these pop-up competitions and so we wanted to hear what people thought and we and we pretty much didn't confine them um, maybe the biggest thing that we stated is uh, initially think about what would be what would be good and valuable for customers either directly or indirectly and meaning that it could be a product or service that they ultimately wanted themselves in their home or it could be something in the back of a house inside of our organization that made us operate better and be able to provide better service. We consider ourselves, by the way, at CPS Energy, you know, we're an energy utility company, but we actually consider ourselves tech-enabled, and we consider ourselves a service company. And so just by doing that and, and starting to open ourselves up to, to doing – we did a couple of really neat things also with um, – with different organizations across San Antonio, some stuff with Z Prime, um, we started actually asking our employees on the inside to think more about ideas they have. Sometimes it comes through as process improvement, but sometimes it really comes through in innovation. And then we started cultivating that and talking to people about innovation can come through ideas and innovation can come through um, something more firm that you could actually pilot. And, and my vision currently is that San Antonio will become uh, the, the energy pilot capital of the world. We want to encourage people to bring things here that we can explore, build um, in a small scale. But the benefit of it being the seventh largest city in the United States, when it really, really all works, we want to take it to scale. And, and we want to bring our customers um, the you know the best things available out there that they that they may not know they're looking for, but ultimately if they read it in a magazine that's across the world that we could get it here. And the last you know piece of it overall is 
Um, Chris, Chris is the chair of an organization. I'm the treasurer, uh, and and we have a, another peer of ours who who also serves on the board of an organization called Epicenter. It is led by um, Kimberly Britton, um, who's phenomenal. She's got this spirit of um, entrepreneurship and of innovation. So we started this thing that was really about initially we wanted a convening center. And um, the more and more we thought about it, we had this big grandiose plan that we were going to build a new convening center out of one of our old uh, power plants. But as we thought about innovation, it was slowing us down to think about a capital program for, you know, almost $60 million. Matter of fact, when you're thinking about innovation, brick and mortar doesn't mean much at all. What you want is to make sure that people know that your, your city and your company are eager to support the innovation of new ideas. And um, so what, what Epicenter does is they go out and they look for new projects. And what we have internally now is like a, you know, a mini shark tank. And so we have people from around our, our entire organization that sit on the, the basic core group and our senior chiefs, Chris, myself, and, and um, our, our peers on the senior chief team, we're kind of, we're kind of the final um, steering committee of that. But, but the point is, we want to create as many avenues for innovation as possible and partner. I mean, we're not a tech company. There are going to be tech companies that can put more money on R&D, but they don't necessarily have the footprint and they don't necessarily have this focus on the customer and, and the way that we trust and value our customers and really betting things and finding the best way to blend them into the things that they currently have but with the new things that they want to do, we think that's super special here. So Epicenter, our employees, Z Prime, other organizations are helping us create that outreach. And then the cherry on top is when you can actually create something of critical mass like this RFP around the Flex Car Bundle. And Chris's team, and he can talk some more about that, are, have looked at some of the innovative things that people are really kind of focused on that firming capacity side, that we think is interesting. You know, in this case, as, as uh, Chris indicated, the plants that we're trying to replace aren't really functioning truly as baseload, so we have more flexibility. We need long duration, but maybe not as much long duration as if we were trying to um, replace a, a, a younger uh, fossil plant. And so it's just been fascinating. We posted this information, our initial information on the RFI on our website. We've also been talking to, you know, great people who are just, you know, movers and shakers in the industry. Dr. Michael Weber, who uh, who is also um, one of the one of the major professors at UT. Uh, Ernie Moniz has been actually looking at this this new opportunity with us, and, and we've had a couple of sessions with him and his team. And then um, also Epri, uh, uh, Arshad Mansour, um, also is kind of talking to us about the big things that they're doing across the globe and also thinking about how we can match up this Flex Power Bundle approach here in San Antonio and really tap into as much innovation as possible. So we're, we really believe it's a global landscape and we're leaving ourselves open to all of these possibilities and it's super exciting. No, thank you. It is incredibly exciting. And I am one of those fortunate individuals in the community that have gotten to collaborate with your team um, through the Smart SA partnerships and Civtech SA and Epicenter over the course of the last couple of years. So it's really exciting to hear you and Chris talk about this today and um, makes me very proud to be a part of this conversation. So thank you. 
uh, part of a dynamic duo. That's why I was so glad you were here today. <laughs> I was gonna say I feel uh, I feel a bit I feel a bit of a fourth wheel as the as the northerner of the group. No, um, no you're our anchor, straight man. <laughs> I was we gonna got say, to bring like, you down here to Urcot. Yeah, absolutely. I know it, it was uh, just a quick sidebar uh, to talk about food since I haven't had lunch yet. Because I remember the last time we had Paula on uh, was right ah. before the last mm. City of the Future in San Antonio, and she recommend she recommended a, a, a she recommended a really interesting pie. Well, I was down there. I didn't get the chance to just because of how busy I was, and it's going to be so long before I can try again. Can't get it. Can't get it ordered on delivery. Uh, you know thousands of miles away so it's just that i'm i'm still waiting on it i gotta figure out how to get you the hookup on that it's sweet potato pecan pie but it's um it's got a brisket in it <laughs> yeah, exactly i might just end up having to make one myself at this point i will tell you today i'm going to have this this amazing oyster sandwich it has so oh. much oyster, oysters on it it's just amazing so there's a restaurant here called cured and that's mm. one of the things I treat yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, I I haven't been able to get oysters since the, since the pandemic hit. The, like even though I'm in the Pacific Northwest, it's just you know the 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 small the small businesses that provide them are hard to hard to get in touch with at the moment. Um, but mm. anyway, getting back on the RFI, um, I want to hear from both of you, but Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, now that the information you know, has been collected, the RFI process is, um, has been is this far along, which responses have stood out to you the most? What, 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 what data are you interested in sharing from that? Yeah, I, I think uh, to Paula's point, we have learned a lot with this process. Uh, some of it we expected, and some of it I think is really uh, pretty, pretty novel and, and new. Uh, you know, we got interest from around the world. Uh, you know, I think our multilingual approach outreach was very successful. So we're really getting the best thinking uh, from from across the globe to to think about here in San Antonio. Um, we did we did see quite a few uh, solar and energy storage projects here in ERCOT that were pretty far along, and not just West Texas solar. Uh, we saw you know North Texas, East Texas, South Texas. Uh, you know, 16 proposals for, you know, systems right here in San Antonio. So pretty spread out uh, across Texas and uh, pretty competitive prices. You know, we, we asked for indicative pricing. So we, we, we saw pretty competitive prices both for uh, solar and energy storage. So that was good to see. Um, and and we, uh, we also got some pretty interesting idea, uh, ideas on the firming capacity on the all-source approach to uh, longer duration storage. Um, and uh, everything from compressed air storage, where you're basically pressurizing air into an underground uh, cavern, when you have plenty of when you have plentiful energy, uh, maybe overnight when you've got a lot of wind power, and then you kind of reverse that process uh, to to relate to bring the energy back to the grid when you need it. Uh, there have been a couple projects on that. There was a, a pretty interesting project uh, around liquid air. So if you if you think about air, the, the two constituents of air are oxygen and nitrogen. So you can liquefy it using, again, plentiful energy you know, by putting it under immense pressure. Um, and and you can reverse that process to uh, release that energy and, and, and turn a turbine when you know, power prices are high or when, when energy is scarce. 
And the interesting thing about that is the duration of the storage is, is determined by the, the, the volume of, of your, uh, your holding tanks for these uh, liquefied components. So the bigger the tank is, the more the longer you can store the energy. So uh, again, pretty innovative. Um, we saw some thermal storage uh, where you basically use heat to, uh, to store uh, energy. Uh, we saw undergr underground pumped hydro. So typically in the Northwest, Dylan, where, where you're at, you, know, you have elevation, so you can pump water up, uh, up, up elevation when, again, uh, uh, power is, is readily available, and you can reverse that process when you need it. Uh, we don't have a lot of elevation here in Texas, but we have a lot of you know, uh, oil fields that have been kind of abandoned or, or, or moved on or, or completed. And you can, there's a company that basically proposed what's, what's called an underground pumped hydro. So you basically put water under uh, tremendous pressure into uh, an underground uh, geology, um, and, uh, and then you reverse that process to bring it back up. So it, again, pretty interesting. Um, and then we saw some kinetic storage as well, where you have flywheels that are rotating at very, very high uh, speeds. And again, you you energize that when 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 energy is readily available, and you reverse that process when you need it. So, you know, many of these storage concepts can uh, you know get to long durations, 12 hours, 24 hours, even 48 hours. Um, but the challenge is is you know they're still you know they're not widely available commercially. So they're they're still you know a handful of projects that you can point to. And so we need to better understand the viability of these technologies. And as we get to an RFP and we, we see kind of firm bids and, and guaranteed performance uh, uh, requirements, I think it'll be interesting to see how some of these technologies play out. Um, one of the technologies that we, we wanted to see more of, we didn't see as much, but hopefully maybe with the RFP, we will see a little bit more is hydrogen. You know, the whole fuel cell concept where you take a water molecule and and uh, you, you break it up into a hydrogen and oxygen component, and then you put it back together, uh, it releases energy, you get water out of the tailpipe, so to speak. Uh, very clean uh, process, especially if you use electrolysis. And, um, you know, uh, and, and, and a lot of the infrastructure that we have on, the, on our gas side is very amenable ultimately at some point in the future to, to support a hydrogen economy. So, we are interested in, in the hydrogen element as well. So hopefully we'll get a few more um, you know, proposals on that front uh, in the future. But, but again, a lot of very, very interesting concepts uh, that we saw in the RFI. Amazing, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, and, and, and Paula, uh, same question to you. What about uh, the results uh, are you enthusiastic about? Well, I, I would uh, agree with Chris. Um, the variety, um, the thought, the thought that went behind. I mean, you could tell that people had thought a bit about what's really available to in in terms of our topography, in terms of our geographic region, and so you could see that. And we and we love the fact that people uh, thought about what it even looked like in the San Antonio service territory that we operate in. So you know those those were amazing. Um, we we do have some familiarity with uh, lithium ion batteries, and we use them here. But to to again see um, that the duration and some of these other technologies 
um, are, are extended uh, further out. And we, we actually believe that lithium-ion has the potential to stay uh, as a very strong, fast response and uh, 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 technology, but also um, for it to get a longer in duration. I mean, that's kind of the key when you're a utility. Um, you, you need to be able to, to have that. And, and I, you know, the thing I would highlight about this, why it's so critical, you know, if you're an individual and uh, you're solely doing your home, um, you, the demands that you, that you need in terms of uh, using batteries and, and um, having a, a solar system on your home, you can pretty much find the right balance because it's pretty straightforward. It's you. But when you're servicing a community that's approaching 2 million people, and you're servicing anything from homes and business, you know, businesses of all sizes. For us, we don't run a battery um, sparingly. Uh, we'll we'll run a battery in what we call we'll deep cycle it because uh, we want to get as much of the power out because people are just cutting on their lights all the time. So there's an element that resiliency and fast response um, really does feel you know, fill in for um, any time the weather gets bad. Uh, but there's also an element of seeing longer duration storage. So I was I was super excited to see that, you know, things were being developed. Uh, we did, I went out on a tour with some of our team members about about four years ago. And, um, and what we could definitely see was that you know, the technology is moving along and it's getting more efficient. And the prices are coming down. So um, so all of that was super exciting because that turns into real value for your customers. The more that the, that the, the technology improves, becomes more efficient, and we can, we can get a cost bundle that um, is affordable, then, then all of that just makes all the difference for customers who shouldn't have to worry about the specifics, but they want to make sure that we're directionally correct and we're driving value when we bring those solutions to them. Yeah, most definitely, especially when you're talking about, you know, wanting to be a leader for for piloting, you know, new energy technologies and scaling them up. Um, and one of the largest cities in America, I think that that's a huge benefit um, when you're finding those reliable, trusted partners to work with. Um, speaking of, you know, the seventh largest city in America in San Antonio, we're really committed to a equity and inclusion and sustainability and resiliency. Um, can you and Chris kind of speak a little bit about what steps are slated for 2021 following this RFI and how they kind of tie into our equity, inclusion and resiliency goals? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the flex power, the flexible path is a long-term strategy. It, is, it was, it was designed, um, you know, in my mind when I when I thought about it in 2017 was that we're actually really good operators of generation. We, we've um, we've overseen the creation of multiple um, assets, and but but at the time, you know, I actually told Chris and his team, uh, pretend we won't do anything, we won't generate anything ourselves. It'll all be through technology, and you know, just like God. Or, or 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 some higher power, it just gets provided to you and it's always available. Um, think about it that way. Uh, so it kind of blew our minds because we're usually the captains of our own destiny. And uh, but but the team did great, right? And they started they started letting go of, you know, we I think we had this concept of you know the bigger the better. We were probably building plants bigger and bigger because we thought it was all about the efficiency 
and um, economies of scale and all these complex things when, in fact, what we needed to do is kind of relax and, and again, listen to customer preferences, watch the technology be part of it, and bring our customers in to make sure that they understand what, that we're committed to finding these new to low emitting solutions. Um, so what happened, too, is the city of San Antonio um, did a, a major effort to come up and develop a climate act, action and adaptation plan. And, and it very much is looking at that with and tied to the Paris Accord goals currently set at 2050. Our board said, you know, we need to endorse that. So they endorsed the, the cap. And then what they basically told me and the team is do it through the flexible path, stay open and make sure that you know uh, that you're thinking about cleaner and cleaner and not emitting solutions in the end. And we, we, we absolutely as CPS Energy believe that we can get to in San Antonio to net zero emissions. Um, so, so the commitment is there and the insight is there and we continue to ask our customers what they think. Um, Chris touched on it. We have, in, in the last year or so, uh, we've actually refined what we call our six pillars. And our six pillars, of, uh, they're, they're guiding pillars, they're value pillars. And Chris talked about them a bit. One of them is customer affordability. Another is reliability, safety, security, resilience, and environmental responsibility. Um, they all matter. And so every single, every single time we're thinking about solutions, we put our, our whole bundle, for example, is going, we're going to push it all the way through all those pillars. And, we, and then, again, we still need to do it in a way that's affordable, that investors will want to um, let us borrow money to make sure that these, these projects happen. So it has to be all done on the basis of financial responsibility and stability. Now, what we also do is we survey customers constantly. So we tell them about the pillars, we tell them our commitment, remind them what's happening. And so we have people first fairs, uh, we have live events, Facebook live events, we have uh, virtual meetings, um, people can go out on our, our website um, and, and um, also find information about what we're doing, and they can provide us input through our website, and they can write us a letter. They can call our um, energy advisors and and tell us the things that they want. Interesting, you know, some bits of uh, tidbits that we've gotten out of all the pillars. People want us to make sure that we are constantly thinking about the environment and moving forward. But they, but before that. Any solution we put out there, it needs to be done through affordability and reliability. They want to make sure that we're not shocking them um, with our with our you know exuberance, right? That we don't create bill shock, and they want to make sure that we don't do things that could potentially lead to rolling blackouts. That we haven't figured out how to bundle and put things together. So the combination of those solutions will keep their power reliable. And so those are actually over and over again, customer affordability and reliability get surveyed as the most important things. We do polling. Um, we also get polling from organizations like Bear Facts. I mean, we are just constantly, again, tell us what's important. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want to see. Uh, we survey on our energy efficiency and conservation programs. What is it that you like about that? What else do you want to see? Um, you still always got to make sure that everything's affordable and reliable, but they do want us to increasingly keep looking at how can we move to more solar, more non-emitting solutions, 
Um, they don't want us. To, they don't want to sacrifice anything. They want them to make sure that we we do it all. So we're constantly looking for ways to to getting that that feedback. And and there are others uh, that we have, but that that's kind of the way we approach it. Yeah. yeah. No. And, thank you, Chris. And just to, just to add to Paula's comments, which uh, you know the pillars I, I think are really key affordability, especially because you know we have to be inclusive. Uh, for, we can't leave anyone out in this journey that we're taking. So I, I think mm -hmm. uh, the inclusiveness and the affordability, I think, are really, really important. Um, and and to, to Paula's point also, you know, the Climate Ad Action Adaptation Plan it, that the city is, is, is driving and we're, we're partnering with has a, a big equity component of it, too. So you know, whatever we do, we, we need to make sure it's available and affordable and, you know, makes sense for everyone. Um, so I think equity will be a big part of everything we do here uh, uh, moving moving forward. Um, the only thing I, I would also add is is you know we're we're all very very excited about the Flex Power Bundle because it's you know it's right here in front of us. But you know uh, if we're successful here, there you know there hopefully likely will be a Flex Power Bundle 2.0 or a Flex Power Bundle 3. Uh, so you know. Hopefully this journey and the technologies may be a little bit different, but uh, hopefully this is just the beginning of this exciting journey that we're all on. And then the other one is FlexStep. FlexStep is also a pretty exciting program that uh, I think will make a big difference in, you know, a lot of people's lives here in San Antonio. Weatherization is a big, big program of that, which is helping, you know, some of the, you know, uh, folks that are struggling, you know, make their homes more efficient, lower their bills. So I think to Paula's point, we are trying to cover all the bases as we move uh, forward here, and and you know the, our six pillars are, are are key in helping us achieve that. How has this philosophy affected your direction as a company ultimately? You know, a lot of things that we do. Uh, we had a we had an executive that worked with us. She'd been in the industry for forty years, and um, she's just a uh, just a brilliant mind around customer her name is Delicia Etheridge and um, I was when I was first talking about some of these concepts um, people just look at me like you know like what are you talking about and and then and I think the point that she expressed to me was it's it's some of it's just almost too simple right and and she would coin certain phrases uh, that I had put out there as a uh, uh, sophisticated simplicity right you know so we have a concept called people first and and we launched it and, and initially people were like, Well, what's the definition of that? And I would say, There's no definition, it's people first. And and so so simple. And I said, Well, and they would they would still ask me and I would say, uh, it's the opposite of people last. If I tell you you're people last, does that make you feel good? Does that think make you think that we're focused on you? And people would go, Yeah, no, that that's not good and I go, Well, what's the opposite, right? It's it's how we feel about our community. And that we have to make sure that in the people first trinity, it is about focusing on customers. They're our beacon. They tell us what it's important. They give you feedback. They tell you they tell you what doesn't work and what doesn't. I mean, we're actually like 24-7-365, and they call us quite a bit, and, and we want to hear from them. Matter of fact, we tell our energy advisors, who are excellent, um, keep people on the phone longer. Don't try to get them off. Just make sure that you, you've answered all their questions. Um, but it's about customers, it's about the community, uh, and it's about our employees, um, you know, all the time. How do they keep getting developed? Because as technologies move along, they're going to have to learn these new technologies, and we're excited about that. We are municipal power, so our connection to 
mentors is, is, is very deep. And so we were already really set up for this um, in, in our everyday thinking. But I will say that when, um, when COVID came along, I think we, we were running towards these environmental approaches and um and but we really had to stop and think and think because while while they still our customers still believe the environment is really important, um the economy was affected, and people's health was affected and emotional um issues and then and then the the social justice issues around black lives matter and people of color and me too i mean you know as as we lead this organization, we can't just do it with without thinking about having a heart for our community. All of our all of our field workers, um, we have skilled craft workers that's the majority of our our company are people who support the operation side of the house, our field workers who go out and restore power um still when it's bad weather and, and who never skip a beat in terms of when the community got shut down, our our employees, all of them, are essential workers and and then our frontline people um, in the field, and they're, we're heavily connected and have a great relationship with our unions, IBEW and NAEP, um, they, you know, we, we just flipped. And so not only is our focus in strategy about moving and evolving our company having to be flexible, um, we're having to be flexible now and we're having to readjust and then, and then again, embrace our community and help them through it. I mean, we haven't done disconnect. Uh, in March, we won't do disconnect this year. It's it's wreaking havoc um, on our financial position, um, but we understand that it's wreaking havoc on 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 families, and people are having to to redesign how they're going to approach work again. And some jobs won't come back. I just got off the uh, off of a Facebook live session with one of our trustees, Trustee Janie Gonzalez, and um, you know we we have a workforce initiative here. That, that ultimately we we don't run our our city uh runs this um approach that we have and we we're joining that we're trying to help and so we we don't believe that we're in one particular aspect of anything we understand that the community has a voice and they have needs energy's part of it but we're not going to just assume that that's our only role um, again, uh, and I was born and raised here, so it's just really critical for for us constantly to think about um, what are we going to do and how can we partner um, more and more with with just anyone who wants to. If, if and if it's about energy, we'll stay focused um, on that. But if it's other things that customers need, um, then we're gonna we're gonna focus that on as well. And and I will say in, in that in that Facebook live, Juan Solis. Um, was part of Workforce Solutions Alamo updates. And so we talked to the community about jobs, retraining, helping small businesses, because um, everybody's our customer. And, and the, I'll end with this and, and, and see if Chris has anything to add. You know, one of our slogans for years has been electrons and molecules love everyone. And um, our belief is that we serve everyone. And our, our, our service doesn't care uh, how you vote. It doesn't care who you love, it doesn't care, it doesn't make judgments. We don't we don't make judgments on people, we just serve them. And so I would say that that what COVID has done is taken all the things that we believe and made and told us we gotta balance it all for the community. 
and we still got to drive this along and figure out how do we keep the pillars going, everything reliable. It's just you, you, we're better multitaskers and we're better at, I think, listening than we've ever been and checking on each other and just and just asking for, you know, more engagement. And that's, you know, that's our drive. We have a lot going on and, and a global pandemic on top of that. And we're, you know, we're transitioning a, a, a major industry. Uh, and so th- there's just a lot going on. In some ways, there's a lot of certainty. We all want to get to the same place, uh, you know, a, a carbon neutral, net neutral, uh, net zero uh, uh, environment. But there's a lot of uncertainty on, on how to get there and, how, you know, what the velocity is and, um, you know, how some of these technologies will, will become viable and what cost curves, you know, how cost curves are going to decline faster, you know, slower. So there's just a lot of uncertainty. And I think the flexible path that, that Paula has really you know, brought to this community uh, positions us well to to make the right decisions at the right time, uh, you know, to keep us moving forward in a very, you know, systematic way. So, um, and I think the big thing is we are we are listening to our community as we are going through this process. So it's not just us alone. We are, you know, we're very actively dialoguing with multiple stakeholders in the community to get their input and their wishes and needs and and trying to incorporate this into our flexible uh, uh, path as well. Uh, And then on top of that, we've got 3,000 employees that are also part of this transition. We have a lot of employees that are, you know, managing and running, you know, some of our our fossil plants. And, you know, they've got to be part of this journey too. So there's just a lot of pieces here that we've got to get right. And to, uh, you know, to Paula's, uh, uh, from Paula's position, you know, the flexible path really is uh, a, a way to really navigate through all the, the uncertainties to get to the place we all want to get to. Man, couldn't have said it better than any of that. This has been just a phenomenal interview with you two talking about these things. And as a San Antonio, and I definitely appreciate the emphasis that CPS Energy is putting to communicate with, you know, the residents as well as to think holistically about how we're going to approach sustainability and um, trying to do it in a way that, uh, alleviates the pain points for customers throughout this transition. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to share. I mean, we, Chris and I live this, uh, you know, every day. And, you know, sometimes he goes, Paul, I got a minute. And I'll go, Chris, you got a minute. And, I mean, it's just, it's very organic. Um, but we're also a bunch of uh, engineers and, uh, you know, analysts. And so we want, we want San Antonio, we want the state of Texas, we want the nation and the globe to know that our goal is to be um, to be focused on doing it right. I, I, I say, you know, we focus with customers, and our primary approach is uh, think about it with the heart. Think about it, with, you know, listen more than you talk, but it's facts, physics, and finance. That in the background is what we're balancing all the time to make it make it work to make sure that every single step is a step forward. Maybe it's a step forward to the right, or maybe it's a little bit now to the left, but ultimately we're going to be centric in terms of finding the best solutions uh, that we can for San Antonio, Texas. Thank you for that, Paula. Uh, Chris, thanks also for being on as well to have this discussion about your, your plans. Thank you. And Joyce, thanks for being, uh, for being here. Uh, for be, for partnering up with me for this two-on-two interview. Yeah, absolutely. Dynamic <laughs> duos abound, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
And for the audience, you can find our research and media at cprime.com. You can find us on social media at DY Lockwood, at uh, Jake Dooley, and at cprime underscore research. My name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time.